Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of LVAD Talk. I want to thank you for taking your time out of your day and giving us a watch or a listen. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Brittany Claiborne. How are you doing today, ma'am? I am well, Mr. Connors. How are you today? I am well. Hey, every day I wake up is a good day. It's a great day. It's a great day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing and, and the fact that you're putting purpose behind your passion and that's um, that's inspiring. So I am I am honored to be a part of this with you. Thank you very much. Now we'll see if we can get through this interview without my batteries going off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you've had an interesting journey um, from heart failure to LVAD to transplant to stage four cancer. What came first? Um, my son. Okay. I was diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he was about three days old, I was told that I was in heart failure. Um, that was in 2010. So this has been a 10, almost 11 year journey for me. Um, so in 2010, had him, was diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy. Um, a couple of years later, I was just managing with meds pretty well. Um, and a couple of years later, I was at work actually, and the whole, I was walking down a hallway and the entire hallway flipped upside down. Um, heart started palpitating, just couldn't couldn't breathe, couldn't, you know, just, just kind of panicked. So I went to my doctor that day and he said, well, you need a pacemaker, you know, um, you need a pacemaker and a defibrillator. So I had one implanted, I think, I think that was a Thursday. I think I had one implanted on Monday. Um, and I had the pacemaker from 2012 until about 2016. Mm-hmm. So I had it for four years. Um, in those four years, I, I died and was shocked back about seven times. Mm. Um, so with that last shock, you know, my doctor said, look, you know, it's getting worse. The, sh- the shocks are getting more more frequent. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to need a heart transplant. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I'm not sure if your transplant destination or if your destination LVAD, but um, for me, it was a di- it was difficult to find a match because I have very high antibody levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, you know, of the hundred hearts you get, you'll probably reject ninety seven of them. Um, so we just need to be very, very careful picking, choosing the right heart for you, so on and so forth. So, um, so they decided to actually put me in the hospital to wait for the heart. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went into the hospital in 2000 and, um, the end of 2015, like maybe October, 2015. And, um, I, I can't be bored in ICU. Um, it just doesn't work for me. So uh, I started on my master's degree in ICU and um, finished that in about, I finished it in nine months while I was in there. So the entire time I was in ICU, I was just doing my master's degree. Um, and then my son called me on August 3rd, I believe it was and said, we need to, his birthday's in September. He said, we need to cancel my birthday party because you won't be here for my for my birthday party. And he was six, mm-hmm. he was gonna be six. Um, and I was like, you know, obviously this is having a major effect on him. He's noticing that I'm not there. He's noticing that I'm missing life um, and it's affecting him. So what can we do to get me out of here? Because every day was the same thing. We don't have a heart for you, we're still waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, well, you can do LVAD. And I said, okay, tell me about this thing. So, of course, they explained to me what the LVAD was, some of the complications may be, how that would change life, though. It allowed me to get back to life, in a sense. Mm -hmm. So I had the uh, LVAD implanted on um, August 25th of 2016. And um, 
it was well. It, it truly let so me. So hold on, hold on. From October to August, you were in the hospital. Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. In ICU, swan in the neck, uh, um, no showers, no baths, you know, getting bedpan uh, baths uh, and all the craziness. Doing my master's degree on the whiteboard that they used to write their name. Right. They're like, you know me. I was like, I don't know you. I erased your name. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue who you are. Um, so yes, from about October, from from October until August, mm. was in the hospital, um, away from my son, away from my husband, and you know, I just I didn't want to live that life. So the LVAD was the only option mm. because I couldn't. My heart was only working at about three to five percent. It wasn't. It wasn't doing anything. It was the IV milrinone and everything that was really keeping me alive. Mm. Um, so went to the VAD and and was was able to get back to life um, for the most part. Um, I'm a big traveler, so I was able to get on planes again and have some sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for about two years. So then in February, no, January, January of 2018, um, I went back into the hospital because my INR, my, my blood was too thick, right? My INR was, was high. Um, and there were just some other things going on with the vet. It kept alarming. Just something wasn't right. So... I got incredibly frustrated and I, I said um, throughout this journey um, as a woman of faith, my, as a woman of faith, God told me at the very beginning, Hey, you need to be writing down some of these things because I'm going to allow you to use them later. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like mm-hmm. get me out of here. Right. Um, so he had been telling me to write this devotional book. So I got so frustrated that night. It was January 12th, was January 12th and it was about 10 a.m. And I said, uh, God, you know what? I'm done. You you can take me tonight. My bad's alarming. They still don't have a heart. Like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm over it. Um, so I said, I'm going to write this devotional. I'm going to send it to my editor. And then I don't have to wake up tomorrow. I'm good with that. And that's what I did. I finished, I finished the book. I ordered steak and shrimp from the chef. And as I was chewing my last bite of steak, about seven 15 at night I was chewing my last bite of steak and I said um, alright God well this is it I'm going to go to bed after this mm-hmm. um, and there's not going to be anything we can do and my phone rang the hospital phone rang and uh, it was my doctor and he said Brittany and I said yes sir he said I have a heart for you Okay. I said, I said what <laughs> <laughs> he said I have a heart for you I said well but what, like, what about the antibodies like is it going to match he said it's a perfect match hold on let me let me get some praise on <laughs> oh, my, my, look, my praise ain't working but hold on yes literally within i i recorded myself getting this phone call and I, you can tell my plate is still in front of me okay. that's how that's how immediate it was and what god was trying to show me through that is that you know, I'd done all these things. I'm like, God, I got this master's degree. I started this nonprofit. Like, I'm doing all these things, and you're still not showing up. And he's like, but I told you to write the devotional, so obedience is better than sacrifice. You can't. <laughs> there we go. He's like, you can't keep sacrificing all these things that I didn't ask for. I just, your obedience is the sacrifice, okay. right? And, um so I got the heart, um, and the heart was perfect. It, it, it was amazing. It, it still is amazing. Um, so that was in January of 2018. So I went home, I healed, um, and in October of 2018, I just started feeling weird, um, just off. Like I had a cold, like I didn't, just off. So I went in, they ran some tests, and they said, look, you've got – about 200 lesions between your spleen and your liver. We need to biopsy them. So we did the biopsy and they said, that's that's stage four cancer. Mm. I was like, okay, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you sure? Are you positive? They said, yeah, it's in your spleen, it's in your liver, it's in the pelvic area, it's it's lymphoma, so it's blood cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all over the place. I said, okay, what do we do? And they said, well, normally we would do chemo, but because you're a transplant patient, it may 
weaken the heart. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, okay, well, let's let's do whatever we feel like we need to do. So we did six rounds of chemo, and then we did thirty days of radiation. We did thirty rounds worth of radiation within three days after that. Um, we checked; it still wasn't gone. So then we had to go to a um, a trial drug, mm-hmm. and we did the trial drug, and I was declared cancer-free in February of 2020. Okay. So I was able to get back to life in February of 2020, and then COVID hit in March. Tonight, <laughs> COVID hit in March, so we've been like, uh. So you got a series of slow down, speed up, slow down, speed okay. up, slow yeah. down. Fast lane, slow lane, fast lane, slow lane. So when COVID hit, I'd always wanted to, um, I, I knew that I needed to do something with this story, something with the experience. <clears throat> and one of the things that I, I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that, that, that there is a way, because, you know, they, people see the physical ailments that we go through mm-hmm. as heart patients and as cancer patients and so on and so forth, but they don't understand the mental toll that it really truly takes to go from being healthy, happy, independent you to literally needing someone almost every day. Yeah. Um, so, for, so that's what I focused my, um, my doctoral work on. And because of the pandemic, uh, you know, with psychology, you usually have to do, you know, 200 hours of sitting in different you know, after your coursework is done, you do about 200 hours of sitting into different sessions and so on and so forth. Well, because everything went virtual, we didn't have to sit in sessions. We were able to watch the Zoom sessions. So we were able to watch 50 hours of them in a week or 100, you know, however many we wanted. Um, so I started my doctorate in February of 2020. And I started that part of it in February 2020. And I finished it in February of 2021. Um and now I am talking to you. One more yeah. time. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> so you went from a because normally a doctor is a two year, two to four you, you year. Depending on where you where you are, what you're going into. But yeah, it could be it could be a two year program. It could be a four year program. Just depends on on what type of of doctorate you're getting. Hmm. So if I was getting a a PhD. Um, it would have been a little bit longer. I got a doctor of psychology, um, so I didn't have to do some of the um, some of the more research based mm-hmm. things. Um, and because of COVID, everything changed so much that they were kind of like, "We don't know, but we're going to try this." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, two things. One, yes, COVID made a lot of things. I told my kids like I I couldn't if I were in their shoes mm-hmm. I would be a straight A student right it was so you're telling me I can go to school I got the internet mm-hmm. you're giving me a device that accesses the internet I have Google on the same device that I'm going to school and you don't think I ain't gonna look up the answers I mean right Exactly. Because I tell my kids all the time, it's not all about when you get into the workforce. School is different. You learn things for school different. But when you get into the real workforce, they really don't care that you know the answer. They care that you know how to find the answer. Find the answer. Exactly. 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 And, you know, I was discussing with uh, my best friend the other day the difference between knowledge and, and or the difference between being smart and being intelligent mm-hmm. and i was like you know there's there's a huge there's a huge difference school is school is just memorization right it's memorizing dates and times and formulas and things like that but you know to be able to use your intelligence to apply it to the real world that is what truly helps you to stand out because we all learn the same numbers. We all learn Pythagorean theorem and, you know, all of those things. So any of us can spout those off, but to be able to apply that with intelligence to a real world situation, like you said, find the answer is, is where the true is where the, the people truly stand out, you know? 
Okay, and then my second thing, do you think because of your experiences with going through your LVAD and transplanting cancer, that pushed you into psychology? Because I find with these conversations I have with people, people always say that, yeah, getting over the physical aspect was one thing, but getting over the mental aspect was a whole nother thing and almost lacking. Like they prepare you for what's going to go on with your body, but they really don't tell you what's going to go on in your head. Right. Um, Yes and no. Um, I've always wanted to be a psychologist Um, since 11th grade. My, our teacher was, our teacher was out that day and we we were in the psychology class and they said, uh, we're going to watch a movie. We're going to watch a beautiful mind. And when Mm. I saw that, when I saw that movie, I was like, what? <laughs> before that, I was going to be a scuba diving veterinarian. So, so, uh, but once I got a hold of psychology, I loved it. So, my associates and my bachelors are, are were already in psychology. Okay. Um, this just, this just, this gave me. Um, it, it's kind of like I was standing in this in this pasture, and there were ten different roads, ten different ways I could go with psychology. Um, and I originally was going to do industrial organizational psychology. So be a person that goes into Coca-Cola and says, this is how you can improve your, you know, this is how you can change the psychological mentality or culture of what you're doing and improve your workforce. Right. Um, but going after going through this and after understanding or even still trying to attempt to understand how to like you said, prepare yourself for the fact that you, I'm sorry, you want me to do my will now? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 27. Mm-hmm. You want me to, you, you want me to sign a power of attorney now? I'm, I'm 28. You want me to, I wrote letters to my son for every birthday, graduation, wedding, because I didn't plan on being here. Mm-hmm. Nobody prepares you for that. Nobody tells you from the day we diagnose you, you have to be ready to go at any point mm-hmm. between here and there because it's like with a device, right? Mm-hmm. So that device can malfunction, that device can, you know, and we've all had those malfunctions. That's the scariest moment of your life. <laughs> it's about, oh, Lord. Let me tell you, I went to LA with my LVAD. Okay. And I was like, I just want to see the ocean. Uh-huh. Oh, blah. I'm sitting on Venice Beach, and the tide had been coming up, but it was about 15 feet away. I was way out of the tide. Uh-huh. One time, I'm sitting on the beach. My LVAD is next to me in the sand. One time, that tide came up and wet my LVAD. Oh. Do you see how you feel right now? That's how I felt. I'm going to send you the picture of it. Um, but my LVAD is wet. It's covered in sand. It, I mean, and I'm in LA. My doctors are in Dallas. I still got to get on the plane and fly back home. I was being hardheaded and did not have my backup controller on me at that moment. Literally, I was like, so I'm going to die. did you not bring your backup controller to LA? No, no, I had it in LA. It was at okay. the hotel. Okay. But I was like, and nobody really knows what an LVAD is. So, you know, if I passed out, they would have been like, oh, unhook this radio from her. <laughs> <laughs> is this radio causing interference? Like, what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, scary, scariest moment of my life. Um, so, yeah, but I mean. No, no, I, no, no, no. We got to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, it was it was scary. It was scary. So, I, I'm, so what? <laughs> okay, so now, because <laughs> I can't even imagine. You got a wet sandy controller. I have a wet sandy controller. Mm-hmm. Did it beat? Did it? Did alarm or anything? Oh, it it screamed bloody murder. It screamed, and I had someone with me that that knew about my condition and that kind of worked the controller, but. Even still, I'm like, did I pay my bills? Like, <laughs> I'm like, did I pay my bills? Did I eat? What was my last meal? Did I tell my mom I love her? Did I call my son? Like, <laughs> so how did you how how did you fix it? Did you just have to get I, to the man, hotel room? I turned, it, I turned it over. I turned it over and I wrapped it in a towel. It was like 
an inter pigeon. <laughs> I wrapped it in a towel. And we went to the car. And of course, my heart is racing anyway because of the adrenaline. And then the uh, the controller is alarming. I'm getting low flow alarms. I'm like, I'm going to die. Like the whole time I'm walking back to the car with my inter pigeon. I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Tell my mama I'm sorry. Um, so it was... I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it was it, it truly was one of the scariest moments. No, it was it was the scariest moment. So life. you did make it to the hotel and I, you switched your controller. I made it to the hotel. I I made it to the hotel. I called my doctor. I was like, look, I actually called them and like they were able to FaceTime me and blah blah blah. And they were like, Okay, listen, do this, this, this. Um if you need to go to Cedars, we're gonna send your charts over, so on and so forth. They're like, but you need to come home. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I'm coming home. So I got I got home the next day, and they were like, uh, call us back in like ten minutes, and if it's still alarming, then go to Cedars. But if it's not alarming, don't change the controller. Just come tomorrow. Hmm. Like when you get in, like when you land, don't go home. Come here. Right. <laughs> so. Um, so that's what I did. I got home, went to the hospital. They changed the controller out. Everybody came to see the controller that jumped in the ocean. Um, I was like, was he trying to die? What's happening? What was he trying to do? Um, and I, from there, it was just, I mean, it, it was scary. I can't even, I can't even tell you what, what I was thinking truly at that moment because it was such a it was such a flash i was literally planning i for all intents and purposes i thought i was gonna die uh -huh. for all intents and purposes um because that was my heart you know yeah yeah that was my heart um and it, it was wet <laughs> <laughs> so my my thing okay so i i as a black man I tend to always go against the stereotypes. And one of the things that I do that they say that black people don't do is I swim. I was an avid swimmer. My father was in the military. He was stationed in Puerto Rico. I was a teenager. We were stuck on an island with nothing but water on a Navy base. And his friends, you know, happened to be, um, funny thing, he was a psych nurse. But his friends were divers. So mm. I had nothing else to do but swim. You can go to the PX. You can rent scuba gear. I, I started swimming in the pool. And I went to snorkeling because you got this water, and I was I was intrigued by this water because I grew up on yeah. I grew up in Virginia. But as you go up the East Coast, the water gets dirty and dirty and dirty. I didn't know. I thought we had clean water. You know, ignorance is everything. Then I get to Puerto Rico. It's like, oh, this is amazing. I yeah. am waist deep and I can see my toes. I can see the stuff swimming. Right. I want to see what else is down there. So I started snorkeling and then I started scuba diving. Mm -hmm. So being able to not get in the water. I, didn't, I don't do much exercise. <laughs> but the one thing I would do was swim. And I was blessed where, like, um, all before I went to my little, my first little heart attack where I got my LVAD, um, that whole summer before my kids took swimming lessons. Mm. And on Thanksgiving, we have a place called Great Wolf Lodge here. It's basically yeah. a hotel with a huge we have water one here park. In Great Nine as well. We okay. were there weeks ago. So that one time was the only time. I ever got to swim with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, my daughter just blew my mind. Like, I thought, you know, I know they was taking the lessons, but she took off. And at the time, I think my my son was three or four. He's swimming right. across six feet. I'm like, oh. So <laughs> that was the one time. And being that I live in a beach community, it's a hurt piece to not be able to, like, you was on the, I'm scared to go on the pier. <laughs> I'm scared. So I have this reoccurring nightmare, and I mentioned it on a couple of episodes ago. I have this nightmare where I'm at the beach on the pier, mm -hmm. and one of those wood planks falls as I step on it. Oh, my God. 
Not to mention, okay, I live in the Hampton Roads area. And I live on, we have two sides. One side called the south side, the other side is the peninsula. Mm -hmm. To get to the peninsula from the south side, you have to go through either one or two. It's two tunnels. You got to go through one of these two tunnels, which goes under the bay. (laughs) Under the bay. Under the bay. You're driving, you're on a bridge. Uh, mm-hmm. under the bay under the water so my thing is and every once in a while it drips <laughs> and I'm like that's all I gotta do is be under this tunnel and yeah. the water just comes in and I'm gonna go on there's nothing I can do about it right and and you know what I don't think people realize that I have a heart transplant but it's still to this day um, it scares me to go over a bridge because I, I have this fear that that bridge is going to collapse. And I'm like you. Um, I'm, I'm a fish. I'm a certified scuba diver. Like I said, I wanted to be a scuba diving veterinarian. Mm. Um, and my first job, I went to school in Corpus Christi, Texas. So my first job was at the Texas State Aquarium. I was swimming with dolphins and feeding sharks. Like, I, it's water. It's it, it was. I grew up in Norfolk where Jacques Cousteau, his, his, his offices were. Right, where scuba exactly. was invented. So, <laughs> Water was like, and like you, I. The thing that, the thing that that, um, my son. He was one, almost two when I got my pacemaker, mm-hmm. um, and I was in the in the process of teaching him how to swim, um, but I, literally same story. Sent him to swimming lessons, all this stuff because that was what I was looking forward to. I was like, when I'm done with this vad. The first thing I'm going to do is jump, belly flopped, into a pool of water. So well, the first thing I'm going to do is take a bath. Right. Because Lord, I miss a bath. If I would have known, a it's a good old I'm bath. I'm going to rent a hotel with one of those big old. You ever remember the movie Scarface? I'm going to rent you. I'm going to rent you one. <laughs> you remember the movie Scarface? Sean is he's done with his elevator. I'm going to let me get Sean a room. I want that. I want that big. Bathtub Scarface had sitting in the middle of the floor, and I'm gonna buy five cases of Mr. Bubble rose petals, yes, everything around it just for you, yes, you. I want it big enough so I can just snorkel from one end to the other. I'm gonna put you some scuba gear over there, (laughs) and then the only time I'm gonna leave is to go outside to get in the pool. (laughs) There you go. See, I'm so so that was that was very much me. Um. My son, like you said, uh, here, wait, I, I found this. This is moments before I won't be able to see it great, but it's a it's an okay look. This is moments before the incident. Oh, so I'm sitting okay. on the beach. You see yeah. how far that water is? That yeah. water has no business coming all the way up to where it came up. <laughs> no business. Let me see. And then I took a picture because I had to send a picture to them. How much does that hurt your heart right there? Oh. Let me see if I can get this. To, oh, it's it's bouncing off the thing. I'm gonna have to send you this picture, but you can see my controller. Yeah. And it's covered in sand. It's wet. Oh my goodness. Yep. Literally, I was like, "That's it. I'm dead. I'm done. I'm out of here." <laughs> um, <clears throat> but um, but very much like you, was a diver. Um, was a swimmer. So my son kept him in swimming lessons, kept him doing things. And he's he's an avid swimmer now as well. So this is um we had a we had a camera crew come and shoot some stuff and it was basically me sitting by the pool with my LVAD and my son swimming. And this is actually a shot of him in the water, underwater. Nice. Uh, right. So um so yeah now we're we're breaking all kinds of that stereotype. I'm like, whoa <laughs> <laughs> So then I have some great pictures, you know, just recently with me and him underwater because so this is before all of that. I was like I said, literally teaching him to swim. I don't know how you, if you can see that or not, uh-huh. but literally in, in the water teaching him to swim. And you know and he has So to do learn. you still get anxious around the water? I do. I do. It's not something, I don't think it's something that's going to go away anytime soon. And I, w- I literally have to talk to myself. Like, I'll be like, Brittany, you don't have an LVAD. You can swim. Your son can swim. If this 300-year-old bridge that is never broken happens to break, 
while you happen to be going over it for the next two seconds, you will be fine. Mm-hmm. Brittany, you will be fine. But it, it, it doesn't, once again, psychology, there's got to be a way to help us, because this is very much PTSD. It's very much classic PTSD, right? It, it's, it's believing that something is going to happen that could happen, but never really happened, mm-hmm. right? It, it's that idea that this is one of the things that can take my life and I have to guard against it in a way that, I'm sorry, in a way that is going to be almost overprotective, mm-hmm. right? Well, yes, so even now, um, I can't drive in the rain. So it's rainy all week here in Texas. I'm going to be at the house. Like I went to the store yesterday and I'm going to be here. Now that's a different thing. One of the times I was, one of the times I died, I was driving mm-hmm. in, a, in a rainstorm. So I just can't touch it. Hey, you say that just so casually. One of the times I died. Well, after you died seven times, they're like, you died. You're like, yeah. but um it just reminds me that there's so much more to do and as i talk to more people like you and i mean who needs stage four cancer after they've gone through heart failure and heart transplant who needs who needs it nobody not a blessed person um so i i am i am convinced that I have a purpose. Um, I'm convinced that I have some stuff to do on this earth. Um, and talking to people like you, connecting with people like me, you, making sure that people understand how mental health is, not just your mental health, but how mental your physical health actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to combat those things. I'm actually working on, I'm actually working on something right now um, that I want to open up to to patients and, and people that have health-related post-traumatic stress. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a little bit of it. I haven't given anybody any, so then I'm gonna give you a little bit of it. So uh, I'm creating this program called SCARS, mm-hmm. and it's an acronym, S-C-A-R-S. And what the acronym stands for is self-criticizing and reactive scenarios. Mm-hmm. So naturally, our brain reacts, right? If somebody slaps you, you slap them back. Like, you know, it's, right, it's, right. A reaction. it's a reaction. And then as you get older, um, you know, you have those moments where you go, boy, I almost slapped you. <laughs> <laughs> that reflex almost got you. <laughs> you, all, you almost got you almost got it because your brain has matured enough that it understands I don't have to react to that. Mm-hmm. The message, the signal is not just being received in your um, in your amygdala, but it's moved to your frontal lobe where your experiences are stored. And it has taught you to respond mm-hmm. instead of react. That's why when we get off the phone, we say, you know what I should have said? Mm-hmm. I should have said <laughs> Because then the information has moved to our to our frontal lobe, which is where our experiences are. It, it tells us if I do this, then I will get this experience, right? Right, right. Um, so what I want to do is I want to take those scars. I want to take those self-criticizing and reactive scenarios where you're going over a bridge or under a bridge and you automatically get anxious, right? And I want to turn those into self-celebrating and responsive scenarios Mm -hmm. so i want you to go from oh my god i'm under a bridge what if it i want i want you to go from having those dreams about falling in the water to having dreams about being in that bathtub in the middle of the hotel because you have gotten past this Mm -hmm. and you're celebrating mentally where you know you are going to be you are choosing the response of celebrating your situation instead of reacting to the response of criticizing your situation. Mm-hmm. So that's a sneak peek for you. Thank you. <laughs> You've heard it here that's, first, y'all. You heard it here first. That's, right. that's absolutely right. I haven't even put it on my website. So 
So yeah, you can you can put in the description sneak peek of Dr. Brittany's new new scars process. <laughs> this, this is it. This is where it came from. Um, so so yeah. So I'm gonna develop probably a 12 week class that's going to psychologically and mentally literally change the way that we respond to our traumatic health situations because the doctors are doing an amazing job of keeping our bodies well um, but unfortunately like you said they don't help us prepare our minds for what our brain is going to go through in the process um, and what I feel like it comes down to is most of us are grieving ourselves before we die mm -hmm. right? most of us are sitting in a place going, I used to be able to, I used to be able to. Those are self-criticizing and reactive things. What we should be focusing on is what I am going to do or what I can do now mm -hmm. is blah, 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 blah. You were able to scuba dive and, and that was amazing and that felt so amazing to you, but you are you are changing lives because of your journey. You are changing the narrative around LVAD and heart health and how important it is truly to keep your body healthy and to keep your mind healthy and in line with your body. So I love what you were doing and what you were enjoying, but I am enamored with what you can do now and where this can go in the future. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Tambourine next time. I'll bring tambourine next time. Oh, ask for it. Don't ask for it. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have no business having this app, app but <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, so yeah, that is that is where I am. That is what I'm doing. Um, do you have any other questions for me? <laughs> like I took over your podcast. Um, but that's why I want it. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Because your your journey is, uh, thank you for giving me my accolades, but your journey is incredible, just the same. Um, I, I dealt with um, my wife passing of pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. So, oh, wow. and I know what the journey was. I know how hard that radiation and that chemo is. And to still come through, you know, I, I applaud you because I, I tell people a lot of times, I don't know if I was as strong as my wife was dealing with that and having the kids and, and still going through it. And, right. you know, so yeah, you, you're a superhero to me. <laughs> Man, I, I can't even I, I can't even imagine that for you. But um I I just appreciate the space that you're holding for us to grow, for us to have these conversations openly and honestly and um and to really hear each other mm -hmm. in these spaces. You know, sometimes we do things and they're so rushed because that's just the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um but to be able to set aside time because you are holding space for us to have this conversation is is truly truly a blessing and um i i just i can't wait to see what type of amazing things come forward for you from here i appreciate it i think it was something needed like you know mm -hmm. a lot of times um, people don't have the luxury of knowing that they're going to get an lvad and what's going right. to happen so a lot of times your first um introduction to it is when it's too late and you need it and you got to have it. Yeah. And, and when I went for, I'm a tech guy. So the first thing I'm going to do is start looking things up, start Googling things. Right. And it wasn't anybody that could speak to me as a patient right? to tell me what to expect, what to go through. Yes, you had doctors and you had medical facilities, had videos and different things, but it wasn't told from the patient perspective right exactly you know and i'm not ignorant because i know i talked to a couple of people everybody's didn't have a great experience right. and with my platform i want to give them a voice too right so somebody if they are at the point where they have to make the decision they can make the best decision for themselves as possible 
like yeah. this can happen he's can be all great but this also can happen too and i think you can make a better educated decision about how you want to continue if you have something like this to yeah to refer to so absolutely absolutely i absolutely agree with you um like i said i just i appreciate you holding this space i really do well this is not going to be your last time because i'm starting to to, all right so i'm learning because when i first started doing this i knew nothing about podcasts i just kind of jumped up and just started doing it right (laughs) so i'm learning that you know podcasts like television shows have seasons and mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing this is my season one. Okay. So I'm getting ready to take a break because I need to do some back end stuff. I've been learning some things. I'm trying to get my website together. And I want to start doing, I want to continue doing the interviews and the stories. But I also want to start doing like panels mm. with people. And mm-hmm. I would love to invite you back. Um, I find there's a need to, I've talked to a lot of people. I would like to do a, a all uh, female panel because you guys have your own set of challenges that us as males, we don't have. And, you know, I, I haven't figured out how I'm going to do that because I want to be a part of it. But then again, I feel like maybe I shouldn't be a part of it. No, I think you absolutely, you know, sure. You are absolutely an innovator, but you absolutely have a voice. You absolutely have an experience. Mm-hmm. So I think your experience, just like you saw that there was a need for this, I think your experience is going to be invaluable. Um, so I, I think you hire someone else to be a moderator <laughs> on that all male panel. I'd love to do it for you. Um, and then you and then you you ask the questions and you and you answer them from not from a host perspective, but but from from a father's perspective, from a patient's perspective, from from a husband's perspective, because. People absolutely need to see that side of you as well. All right, so I'm gonna give you. You gave me a little, a little secret, a little sneak peek. I'm gonna give you a little sneak peek. Okay. Um, just right now, the tentative date is June the second. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna do my first major panel, and okay. it's gonna be live. So we're gonna do it on That's Facebook Live and uh, YouTube Live. And it, I'm tentatively calling it the Super Friends of Elvad, and it. it's going to be me. It's a gentleman named um, Cruise Ship Seventy Two, okay. John Sandy, and okay. Elvad Dad. Okay. And all of us have a social media presence. Okay. And t- three of them, they so they're trying to drag me into the whole TikTok thing. But I don't know. I think I might be a little too. My kids tell me I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> you're not. You're never too old for TikTok. You're never too old for TikTok. So, and they have TikTok battles and things like that. So, I'm gonna bring all of it because right now, if you Google or you go to YouTube and you look up Elvad and you go to something that's non-traditional, you find one of us four. Right. Yeah, so. I know John. I know John. Um, I, I don't think I know the other two gentlemen. I'm sure I've come across their pages. I try to follow anybody that's got, you know, Elvad heart transplant, mm. you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the plan intentively right now, June the 2nd. Awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. I will, if you have any any flyers, flyers or anything to put out, I will throw that out. Oh, we, we're going to tear we're gonna tear the internet up before, okay. a week before. So. <laughs> I will put it out to my followers as well so that they can join you guys. And um, I feel like I'm in New York that day. But um, Hey, but the I'm, internet is everywhere, so. Oh, yeah, the internet is everywhere. It's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those impromptu, uh, mommy, I want to go somewhere trips. So we're going to, uh, we're going to jet to New York. He wants to try the pizza. Oh. Uh, yeah, so. I'm making connections now in New York. I want to take, so I'm a hip hop head, uh, mm. late '80s, '90s hip hop head. Okay. And, True hip hop. Yes. <laughs> so I want to take a hip hop pilgrimage to New York. I don't I give it. a damn about the Statue of Liberty. Uh, I don't care about. Well, I kind of yeah, World Trade Center because there was so many references in hip hop to the World Trade Center. But mm-hmm. I want to see where the Latin Quarter used to be. I mm-hmm. want to see 
um, WBLS. I want to see, um, uh, there's an address is 13, I mean, 1516 Cedric Avenue. And that allegedly is where hip hop started in the Bronx. Okay. okay. It's an apartment building. So, uh, you know, things like that. I want to see where they used to rhyme in the park. I want to, you know, I want to go to Delancey Street. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. I want to see what Delancey, I know it may not be the same as what it was, but that's what I want to do. And that sounds amazing. Now that we got vaccinations and things are are going, I don't want to say back to normal, but things are progressing. I feel like this might be, I I feel like, so I I say this all the time. I feel like if you didn't do anything or try anything new during the quarantine, you wasted your time. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I also feel that now that things are opening up, if you don't go and do something and experience something new outside, you just you wasted that time again. You don't want to. Yeah, you, you just don't want to. And that's, you know, for my, my son, you know, birthday parties are great and they love them. And that's traditional. And that's what, you know, we've always done. Right? We have a birthday party. Um, but a friend gave me an idea a few years ago and I've kind of held fast to that. So um, every other year, maybe not even every other year, maybe every two years, we do a birthday party. But the rest of the time, every other, all the other years, we do experiences. Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, you know, we're not gonna have a birthday party this year, we're gonna have an experience. So like when he turned um, nine, his, he wanted to go swim with dolphins, so we did that. Uh, and he turned 10 in quarantine. So he started a nonprofit on his birthday. Okay. Started, um, this year, I don't know yet. I, I I guess we have to celebrate the nonprofit's birthday. So we'll have a birthday party in that regard. But um, I mean, birthday parties are great, but I, I think he's going to remember the experiences mm-hmm. more than the party, you know, yeah. more than the blowing out the candle and the what was in the party bags. You know, he's going to remember we gave out, you know, 50 gift boxes to, you know, the less fortunate or whatever, as opposed to I had a Spider-Man cake or Okay. <laughs> All right, so you talked about it. What is his nonprofit? His nonprofit, um, it's called Micah Gibbs. It's mm-hmm. it's called Micah Gibbs. And um, so my nonprofit is Britney Speaks, and his nonprofit is Micah Gibbs. We're very verbal people. We just like verbs. Speaks, gives, uh-huh. zip, on the other explanation. Um, <laughs> um, and, and they're both the same. His just focuses on children. Mm-hmm. So um, the mission statement for me is, you know, Britney Speaks, the mission of Britney Speaks is to help, is to help people, um, I'm sorry, is to provide emotion, emotional tools, to provide tools that are, that for people that are in the midst of emotional distress, so that they can live a life in, of intention, awareness, and transformation. Micah's um, mission statement is, Micah gives, provides tools that encourage children to be brave, those are his words, uh, to be brave in the midst of difficult physical and emotional situations. So um, it's just all about positivity and inclusion and making sure that everybody feels seen and heard because so many people fly under the radar because they're not in our social group or they're not in our ethnic group or they're not in our blah, blah, blah. We've separated ourselves so much and in so many ways that it started out with him just wanting to reach out to kids that had parents that were critically ill. Mm-hmm. But then in the middle of COVID, you go, well, that's, that's, that's the world is ill now. So what do we do? And there were so many children struggling emotionally and mentally with the quarantine that we just opened that blanket up and said, look, any, any child that's having emotional or mental, you know, or or even physical issues, we want to give them the tools to be brave and to push through to the next, to the next part, um, to the next part of life, to the next precipice of of where they're going to be. So um, it's very, it's psychologically based. I I write some curriculum and we do some meetings with some kids, stuff like that. But mostly um, if a child is having emotional uh, distress or just frustration or depression or whatever, um, we send them mighty packs. And there's usually like a t-shirt and a little game and just some things to help them get through 
and to let them know that they're seen and they're heard, to hold that space for them, exactly mm. like you're doing. That's awesome. I'm going to have to talk to Mr. Michael one day. You, he would love it. He, he actually today I said, hey, I've got a got a video interview, so you're gonna have to be quiet. He's like, why do you always get interviewed? I never get interviewed. All right, we're gonna change that. We'll talk after <laughs> this. We're gonna change that. I love it. You should let him should let him talk to your son. Okay. They're both they're both ten. When's your son's birthday? Oh, I don't know. He's a, my son has his own YouTube channel, by the way. Micah does <laughs> as well. Uh, it's called Namaste Gaming. Uh, Namaste. So he um. What what is your son playing? Micah's playing Fortnite, Roblox. We're doing Roblox, definitely doing Roblox. Okay. I'm ashamed to say it, but Grand Theft Auto. Oh, Dad! But so it didn't start out. He wanted to just drive hey, the cars we around all the city. Did what we needed to do to survive right. during COVID. <laughs> so it's not about the you know shooting up and arriving and stealing and going to the strip club and none of that. It's about riding and driving the cars for him and going throughout right. the city. And now his car repertoire, I, I pulled that word out, is That's incredible. Like he know I'm a car dude, but he was like, "Daddy, no, that's the Challenger, that's the Charger, that's the Tesla Model yeah. S," because of the get the cars he sees in the game. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. So yeah, Mike is starting to get in the cars. He's starting to get in the cars. But um, but yeah, I think my son is. They're they're probably very similar. Mm-hmm. They're probably very similar. Micah has, Micah's um has a hyperactive diagnosis mm-hmm. so <laughs> so he likes to talk and chat and they, they will get i would love to see who's whose batteries run out first my son's oh, channel is sej nation sej nation and right so i'm trying to get him to focus right now right now he's just so enamored with turning the camera on and talk I'm like, so you kind of got to have a message of what you want to talk about. No, I won't turn the camera on to talk. So we're working on that right now. Yeah, it's the same thing with Micah. I'm like, buddy, you're just talking while you're playing the game. Like, are you trying to, like, complete a mission? Are you trying to? He's like, no. But my son watches these channels. It's a grown man playing Grand Theft Auto and playing it, like, acting out scenarios and stuff. And my son will watch this for hours hours i'm like hours. you are not playing the game you're watching somebody else you're play the game somebody, and that's the craziest thing in the world to me because i'm actually a gamer i'm not gonna lie i'm probably gonna get off of here i have a I have a meeting at four but if i didn't have a meeting i would totally go play call of duty when i got off of here true story <laughs> but um, <laughs> so with me i can't i gotta separate it so i've always been a gamer but i always worked in it so that meant i could never play computer games i always had to keep it to a console because I don't have the discipline to be like, I'm supposed to be making this website, but Call of Duty's on the same computer. I can't. I got to right. keep it. Yeah, no. yeah, I got to keep it separate. No, no. I, I have to play. I have, we, we actually have two PlayStations because we can't. I need it, and he's on it, and that's a problem. Yeah, so you yeah. have to have your own PlayStation. So we're, we're Team Xbox, so we got three different Xboxes. I'm waiting for the new yeah. one. Well, y'all go on with that. <laughs> I almost I almost went because, you know, right now it's hard to get the new one of either right. one. And oh, I was yeah. like, whichever one we get first is what we're going to get. But I kind of want to stay with Xbox just because I'm so invested in it. Oh, know? yeah. Of course. If I, I wouldn't. They could drop the Xbox down to $100 and I wouldn't switch over to Xbox. I'm, I've been I've had the PlayStation since the first PS popped up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had one Xbox and I had the Xbox 360. And then I was like, eh. yeah. I prefer PlayStation Network. Sony doesn't go down like Microsoft does. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But I can so, play. Yeah, I can play my Xbox mm-hmm. games on my laptop, though. Yeah, well, I don't need that. I have. I have a. I'm. I'm. I'm Mac Nation, so I got. I got my Mac see, set up. That's a, I'm Team that. Android. See, that's why we could never get married. We could never get married. Yes, we could because my stuff would be my stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but it would be a house divided all day long. All day long. We would argue about who's your football team? Dallas. Oh, see, I'm a Saints fan. How do you live in the. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. I was born in (laughs) (laughs) I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. We didn't move here until I was. God, late 
high school. I didn't. I didn't grow up here. I hate. I, I'm not. You a, are in the promised land. You are in Mecca. You live in when Dallas. I am in the middle of the parted sea. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I live. I live in Redskins territory. See, and that's. I, I first of all, it's the football team. First of all, first of all. Second of all, it's just about the Saints. It just all day, every day. Even the boy, he was born in Dallas, but I'm not gonna let him go out like that. Oh, I'm not gonna let him go out like that. Lord. No, I'm not gonna let him go out like that. He, not. You lucky going... I don't want to call this boy up out of here. <laughs> I'm not gonna let him go out like that. I just, I just, I, I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. Every time Dallas and New Orleans play, I will go to the game. I will root against y'all. Y'all always lose. It's a thing. It's, it's... Oh, I don't know. Um... You know what though? His dad, his dad is a Cowboys fan, so we're, we're divorced now. We divorced in the middle of my cancer thing. But um, so I mean, I was in a house divided for for a hot minute. Yeah. And the way that goes is if the Saints lose to the Cowboys, I just don't cook dinner that night. Like, you're <laughs> like, you not going to get none of this jambalaya. Like, you ain't getting none of this. Go get a brisket. But yeah, yeah, we uh <laughs> house divided. Android, iPhone, Cowboys, Saints, Xbox, PlayStation, all day long. Yeah. House divided. I'm, I'm really sorry that you live in that world though oh but I, it works for me though it works no, no. It, it's just because you don't know any better it's, it's your perspective <laughs> that we we're gonna elevate your perspective one day okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna write to apple and ask them to upgrade you let's say this if they do it for free i'll take whatever come free <laughs> <laughs> y'all can send me that 1300 dollars macbook if you want That's to right. <laughs> i sure right. will be team mac <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yeah, I'm on my Mac now. I'm on my Mac now. So, um, if someone came to you and says, Dr. Brittany, I'm thinking about getting an LVAD, what would you tell them? I would have to know more about their situation. Because they offered me the LVAD about three months into that nine-month stay. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Nah, absolutely not. Um, but nine months later, I was like, how fast can we get this done? <laughs> <laughs> how fast can you get this done and get me out of here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, truly think it depends on the person's situation. I think it depends on if I didn't have a son, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten the bad if I didn't have a kid to get home to. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband at that point obviously was able to come and visit, so on and so forth. And he probably would have wanted me to, you know, just wait until transplant. But I mean, the perfect heart didn't come up until two years later, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, but even still, if I didn't have a kid at home, I probably would have waited. Mm-hmm. I honestly probably would have waited. Um, so it really, truly depends on the situation. I just had a really good friend that I met, I've never, I actually never met him in person. Um, he was the good friend of a cousin of mine and she reached out to me. She said, hey, they're talking about giving him an LVAD. He's never heard of it. Kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, never heard, yeah. he has no clue what it's about. Can you talk to him about it? And I was like, yeah, sure. So so me and the guy got really close and we would chat and um, we would chat and like I said, never met each other face to face, but we would talk about it and so on and so forth. And he eventually got the VAD. Um, so he, uh, he had a fiance and he had a two year old. Um, and that was the only thing he could do. They didn't offer transplant to him as an option. Um, he had some weight to lose, stuff like that. So they only offered LVAD. So in his case, I said, absolutely. If they are offering you an LVAD and they're saying they will not, they can't approve you on the transplant list until you lose weight and your heart is actively failing your you know you're retaining 20 pounds of fluid a week yes you go back mm-hmm. absolutely no questions asked and unfortunately about god maybe six months ago um his his kidneys gave out on him and, and he passed away and he was um god maybe 27 mm. and I, I miss him i miss him like crazy um but uh, um 
but so so it depends on the situation but that that extended his life Mm -hmm. far beyond what it would have been extended if he had not done it Mm -hmm. Um, so i I, like i said it, it really truly would depend on the situation and the other thing it would depend on is their state of mind because yeah. it, it's it, it takes a lot on you you know to i don't know about you but when i heard that battery beep i was like come on <laughs> nah, like, I, I'm wait, I told you at the beginning of the conversation i'm waiting on mine to start beeping any second now <laughs> right exactly exactly and i bet when i hear that if, if i if, if i hear that beep and i start bawling just don't even <laughs> mind me just change your battery and live your life <laughs> but i because so many times I remember being on the phone or being in the middle of one of my son's, you know, uh, school events or something and hearing that beep, beep, beep and going, yeah, are you good? No, I'm dying actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I carried, I carried mine in a, in a backpack. Mm-hmm. So you carry yours. I, I got a, um, I, I couldn't, I would get like rashes mm-hmm. on my neck. So I, I got one of those. It, change, um, it, it depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. It changes. I have this yeah. is the standard bag. I got yeah. um, a couple of Supreme bags I use. Um, yeah, I just got a, uh, you know, those those backpacks, like kind of like those army backpacks that they put the water in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got one of those and I took, actually my best friend bought it and t- we took the water, the water thing out of it. It's a camel. They call it a camel. A camel. Exactly. Yeah. And everything fit in there and it was compact. Uh, you know, it wasn't a whole huge backpack, but it was compact and it was waterproof. Mm-hmm. And after my swimming incident <laughs> in the ocean, baptize your Elvis. We felt like that was the best option for me, so I, I carried it, and I still, I still have all of my equipment. They're like, "You want to donate it?" And I'm like, "Nah, mm-hmm. I, nah this, is, this is my stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my stuff." But yeah, what what do you have? What kind? What kind of Heart machine? rate two. Okay, that's what I had. Mm-hmm. That's what I had. So I know the weight of those. Man, when they took those batteries off my back, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And I can't, I had an issue with my driver line when they had to repair it. And when they repaired it and put a new one on, they made it shorter than what it was. So I can't do backpacks anymore. I'd be like, uh, can y'all <laughs> fix this? Cause, and that, mine was short. That's why we have to find a bag that zipped all the way to the side. Mm-hmm. Because mine was, mine was very That's good. why I ended up with the Supreme bags. Cause I went through a struggle. I needed bags that zipped on both sides. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People don't think about that. Do you have, should I get an LVAD? Do you have bags that zip on both sides? <laughs> all right. <laughs> And I was trying to be fly. I was like, I want me a little Louis right, Vuitton exactly. bag. Oh, Louis Vuitton is not checking for Elvaz right now. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, have, you, have you remarried? No, I'm dating now, remarried? but I haven't remarried. Okay. So, yeah. So, for me, it was the same thing. I was like, what am I going to do with this bag while I'm trying to do married people stuff? Right. <laughs> I have this on my back? Who am I? Rambo girl, like that's not gonna <laughs> you, you take it off and you flip it to the side and you let oh, what happens happens. Hope these lights don't go out. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm trying to wrap up, but we'll talk about the story of me shocking somebody. Okay, go well, for it. I want to hear it. Um, yeah, we were getting to know each other biblically. I did that too. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this was like, so I don't have that. My I haven't been shocked in years because my heart, I guess, is stronger now. You know, I've been exercising, doing things. But right after my surgery, for like, ooh, two years, three years, I could go into the episode and get shocked. And um, it was at the point where I was starting to get better. So, you know, as you're getting better, you don't think about these things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we got to the part where the fireworks go off. Right. And the firework went off. And it did. I, I, w- I remember that. My husband, that happened one time. And my husband said, did you feel that? I said, call the ambulance. Call <laughs> now. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, so she felt it. And I think she enjoyed it. He asked if we could do it again. Yeah, so, right. No, we can't. No. <laughs> no, we 
Matter of fact, you can't come to my house no more. <laughs> at all. At all. Walk yourself out. Just walk yourself out. <laughs> all right, I got to go now because my mama listened to this and now I'm going to be in trouble. My mom will too. And so probably with my ex-husband. He's going to be all mad at me. But anyway, that's, that's, I, once again, thank you so much, Sean, for having me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your um, you holding space for us. And I appreciate you constantly trying to find ways to make sure that if anybody has to take this walk, that they have a map. Thank you. Thank you. Before we go, I want you to let people know how they can catch you on social media, how they can get your website, and how they can just get in touch with Dr. Brittany. Absolutely. So my website is BrittanySpeaks.com. And uh, all of my social media handles are at Dr. Brittany Speaks. So at D-R and then Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S. So that's Instagram. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um. <laughs> I'm there. If, it's, if you look at Sean Connors, I'm there, but we're working on it. All right. Sounds good. Well, I, I look forward to seeing you show up in the TikTok world, Sean Connors. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of LVAD Talk. You can find us on we have a Facebook page now, um, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Podspeak, everywhere, Podbeat, everywhere you can find us. Um, I want to thank you, Dr. Brittany, for taking your time out today and having a great conversation. Let's end it off one more time. One more. Yes! <laughs> it's been fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sean, just Dr. Brittany, and we are out. Out.